Hello and welcome to Everyday Things with Miss Pat, where we talk about everyday things in reference to psychology, media, and religion. The last series was centered around how we understand each other, movies, and religion. The concept we looked at was theory of mind, which is an ability to understand that people think differently from us. Today, we will talk about a concept that is kind of the other side of the same coin. If you listened to our bonus episode on theory of mind, then you know that today we're going to be talking about the psychological term egocentrism. According to verywellminds.com, egocentrism or being egocentric refers to someone's inability to understand that another person's point of view or opinion may be different from their own. It represents a cognitive bias in that someone would assume that others share the same perspective as they do, unable to imagine that other people would have a perception of their own. Though theory of mind is an ability to understand that other people think differently, and egocentrism is an inability to understand that other people think differently from us, these two concepts are not opposite to each other. They often coexist. The term egocentrism is a concept that originated within Piaget's theory of child's development. His theory states that we all go through four stages of learning in our lives. The first stage being the motor sensory stage from zero to two years old, where we learn how to operate our bodies, eating, sleeping, reflexes, sitting, standing, walking, running, etc. The second stage is the pre-operational stage where egocentrism emerges. At this stage, we learn language, associations, socializing. So an example is when a baby learns to say bottle. They know how to associate the sound bottle with the item bottle. That is associating a sound or a language with an item. Those are some of the things that we learn from the age of two to seven. This essentially is the stage when we learn how to think, start building a body of knowledge which we use to then navigate the world. Piaget calls this body of knowledge schema. I will get back to this term later. As a child starts to learn things, they assume that everyone sees and understands the world exactly the same way that they do. As they grow older, between the ages of three and five, they start to realize people may think differently which is basically a theory of mind. But they are aware of themselves first before they are aware of others. The next stage is the concrete operational stage. This is between the age of 7 and 12, where children start to have more logical thinking, ability to conduct experiments, calculate and organize things, and understand logic. In this stage, egocentrism is still there, but not as strong. The fourth stage of development from age 12 and upwards, egocentrism starts to fade, but it doesn't disappear. It just changes shape. This stage is where we all are. Well, most of us anyway, unless you're under the age of 12. And it is called the formal operational stage. At this stage, people have the ability to think of abstract, intangible things and form hypotheses and understand love and feelings, hate, anger, you know, teens begin to think more about moral, philosophical, ethical, political, and social issues. If you've been around children, you know how sweet 
and difficult they can be. This is because children have developing minds and they learn about the world from the inside out, not the outside in. Children learn about the world around them essentially by themselves, by observing and mimicking and copying. There's nobody really saying, this is a mop, and then they, you know, use it. They kind of pick up by watching and associating. Honestly speaking, it never ceases to amaze me how children learn how to talk. It's like this unknown internal process. But just note that word, internal. I have a friend who has a very well-behaved four-year-old. When I asked her, friend, how did you train your child? And she simply said to me, she cannot take credit for it. Apparently, he used to ask for things or want things his way. And when his parents said no, he would throw a tantrum. They tried all sorts of methods to train him. Banking, naughty corner, rewarding good behavior. Nothing worked. The tantrums continued. They asked for advice, read blogs, books, magazines. Nothing worked. In a move born solely out of desperation, they sat him down and asked him if he could explain what was happening when he would throw a tantrum. And he simply said to them, when they refuse to allow him to do what he wants, he feels like there's a whole lot of noise in his head. And he described it literally as, ah! and he doesn't know how to deal with it. So he throws a tantrum. The parents not knowing how to deal with this asked their son if he has any suggestion how they could help him. And the little boy suggested that the parents just leave him alone, basically giving space Eventually, the feeling would pass. The next time he threw a tantrum, they tried this. He went to his room, they checked on him, and he asked for more time. When he was ready, he just came back and continued with life. I personally was fully amazed. At first, I thought, oh my gosh, this little boy is so mature. <laughs> they should make so many more of these. But then I realized something. If a person says no to me now, I will tell myself they probably have their own reason. And sometimes I even understand why they say no and I let it go. But what if you had no ability to understand why somebody has a different thought from yours? I look at it as kind of like driving at full speed down a highway and then realizing, oh my gosh, <laughs> they didn't finish constructing the highway. Essentially, I would just crash because there's nowhere for those thoughts to go. It's like a wall. It's like hitting a wall. So they basically kind of crash and hence the tantrum. Now, I don't have any proof of this. This is my own hypothesis. This is what I'm thinking happens. Most times if you leave the child alone, they will stop by themselves and move forward. Now, this is not a call for any of you to abandon your kids, by the way. You parent the way that you parent. But if you want to try this, it might work. I don't know. Now, as kids grow older, they start to think of others more. Ages 7 to 12 are a little less self-centered. Self-centeredness wanes off a bit. But if you were an adventurous child, you know that at times you would think that you had the answers to everything. You know, thinking I am the be-all and all of everything. Me and my friends and colleagues one time decided to sit and talk about our childhoods. And we were telling similar tales of these miscalculated jumps out of cars, jumping off of roofs with umbrellas, learning how to ride bicycles on hills, driving cars into banks, teaching ourselves how to swim either in a river or in a pool or wherever, right? And all the times we kept getting hurt in these adventures. And in our, in our minds, before we would 
would get into an adventure, would think, I've got this. I calculated this. You know, I know I will be fine. And subsequently, we would get scars, <laughs> swallow unhealthy amounts of chlorine water or just flat out dirty water. Or we would sprain our ankles, you know. And if, it, if an adult would come to us and say, hey, don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. In our minds, we would be like, you are a fool. You have no idea. <laughs> how adventure works and that's why your life isn't fun that's basically like a type of egocentrism coming through it's not in a way that's as harmful to others sometimes it is because you're bullying bullying is real <laughs> that's a story for another day right but in the meantime just this idea of i know i'm gonna do things my way because i know and i will do it and i will have fun that's like a level of egocentrism i don't know if any of you can relate then there's the dreaded teenage years full of shy moments embarrassingly long crushes stupid adventures with friends or stupid adventures alone but through it all most of us always felt like nobody understood us your parents are ruining your lives <laughs> The kids at school are not your friends because they don't get you. <laughs> you know? uh, relating more to games or TV or music more than you relate to people. And then getting into stupid trouble because you went for a party you weren't supposed to. Or, you know, ran away from home when you weren't supposed to. All these naughty little moments. It's just this idea of my feelings are so much bigger than anybody understands right now. And they have no idea how I feel and they don't know. It's just this whole me, 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 egocentric kind of thinking throughout our teenage years that we spend all up in our feelings. But it's egocentrism in adulthood that I find most interesting. Even though people with the most well-developed idea of theory of mind or the personalities of others, even the most thoughtful people will always miss the mark at some point. This is because as people, when we walk into a situation, we view it from our own schema. I mentioned this word before and I said that I'd get back to it. I'm going to give you the definition according to Very Well Mind again. A schema is a cognitive framework or concept that helps us to organize and interpret information. Schemas can be used because they allow us to take shortcuts in interpreting a vast amount of information that may be available in our environment. However, these mental frameworks also cause us to exclude pertinent information and focus instead on only things that confirm our pre-existing beliefs and ideas. Schemas can contribute to stereotypes and make it difficult to retain new information that does not conform to our established ideas about the world. I'll give you an example. If you show up to work and it's your first day at work, the people that you will gravitate towards are mostly the people who are similar to you. Either similar to you because of race or language or maybe mannerisms, maybe even the time that you eat. And I'm Unfortunately for some of us, whenever you walk into a situation, you are the only one of your type, maybe the only one of your race or the only one of your age or the only one of your weight or whatever. I remember the first job I worked, I had a 20 year age difference from the guys that I was working with. I was 23, they were 43. We were from different continents. We spoke different languages. And initially, because they had no schema on how to deal with me, they were just like, we don't find anything similar. <laughs> 
So there's nothing. So they just would not relate to me or they would relate to me according to stereotypes. And because they had not even created stereotypes of anything like me, because they had never met anything like me, they struggled daily on how to relate to me until some people started to talk to me. And when I would speak, they would find, ah, okay, we have this in common or we have that in common. I'll give you a terrible, terrible example. I had a roommate. She was really nice. Honestly, she was nice, but I didn't know for the first two months. we just fought oh my word we had a situation in our room where we just could not agree on where to put the ladder (laughs) and so she would put the ladder where my head was and I couldn't get out of bed or I would put the ladder where her head was and she couldn't get out of bed and we couldn't just compromise on putting the ladder in the middle and so this fight ensued it was pretty bad egos were clashing we were both thinking of things from our own points of view and at some point it just came to a head I came back from I don't know where I'd gone and she was asleep and she put the ladder where my head was and I couldn't get into bed <laughs> so I took the ladder off and I put it across the room and she woke up in the morning and found that there was no ladder after like feeling for it <laughs> she wakes up and she goes oh my gosh there's no ladder and I heard her and I started laughing in my bed and she had to jump off and it was just so bad but I realized that we were never going to stop fighting unless somebody takes the high road and I had bought all these DVDs back in the day DVDs I was collecting movies and by that time I think I had about 120 original DVDs that I used to go and buy every week and one day I just said to her if you're ever bored here are some DVDs and I said to her if you are wondering what to watch first just tell me what genre you like and I can point you to some very good ones and she was like okay thanks then she found out actually that we liked the same movie and when we found out that we liked the same movies it became like this ground for us to start to relate on and as we started talking this was the interesting thing we grew up similarly even though we were coming from completely different cultures completely different countries completely different races, completely different continents. The way we grew up was really, really similar. The way that our grandmothers dress, where they put their money, how they cover their head. Primary school for us was similar. Just the conservative backgrounds we came from, the sense of responsibility that we have towards the people that we leave at home. And then so many more things, not only just in how we were raised, but personally as individuals, we had so much in common. And when we started to peel away the things that were different about us and actually relate to each other according to the things that were similar, we started to build schemas about each other that were based on, okay, so I know this, I know this, I know this, I know this. Let me add one, two, three, four, five, and I have an idea of my roommate. So that's kind of basically how schemas work. You start with what you know, and then if you cannot relate anything about what you know to the person before you, find some sort of common ground. From the common ground, converse, 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 and then you might find that you are actually way more similar to this person than you think you are. And then from 
on there, it's easier for you to build an idea of, oh, okay, this is who this person is. Then you can relate to them and actually build a relationship. I personally believe that people from any race, culture, background can relate to each other to a certain extent. Of course, there will be things that you can never really see or understand until you've been in that situation. But there's always going to be a common ground because we are, after all, the human race um so a schema is basically all you know in your mind right now your cultural background what you understand about people work events yourself animate and inanimate objects so when you meet a new person you will interpret who you think they are based on what you already know about you know similar people this is essentially why dating can be a minefield finding like-minded people can be easy but you might find after a while that just because you speak the same language and you have the same thoughts on one or two things it doesn't mean that you actually get along you may clash more with similar-minded people than you do with people who are different from you. Relationships and egocentrism, such an interesting topic, absolutely interesting. I mentioned in another example in the last podcast where I formed a schema of my best friend and I got it completely wrong. I was like, yeah, I've got this, I've got this. And I bought her a gift that she didn't like and she never wore it. And another example was the couple where the husband was buying all these gifts that the wife never liked. A classic, classic, classic example is these ignorant boyfriends who keep buying flowers for their girlfriends and yet their girlfriends are actually allergic to flowers. I could give you examples to the moon and back, but egocentrism is often a source of conflict throughout our lives, whether it's in a tantrum throwing terrible two-year-old, in an adventure-driven primary or middle school child, in a whole hormone-driven teenage person in our torturous young adult lives, whenever we look at the world from only our perspective and fit everyone and everything in this world according to our thoughts and our feelings and what we think, whenever we let that inability to think beyond ourselves rule, we always end up in difficult relationships. And egocentrism is a great tool for learning because it's like a great place for you to build on. So you'll say, oh, this is what I know. What is new is this. I can build on it this way. Now I have knowledge of a new concept. So it's good for you because egocentrism is like a building block. It's an essential building block, kind of like a foundation of learning. And then from there, you learn theory of mind. From there, you learn, ah, this is somebody's personality and this is how it grows. And then from there, you learn this is love, this is politics. So you build on it. And that's that's why essentially egocentrism doesn't actually go away. It's like a building. You don't see the foundation, but it's present. And you and you know that as long as the foundation is there, everything is going to be fine. So egocentrism is kind of like the first building block of a schema where everything emerges from ourselves as individuals. And then from there, we build, 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 build learn how to relate to others. Some people grow out of that sense of predominant egocentrism as it is in the pre-operational stage. And then some people don't and they end up being these egotistical people or they end up being narcissistic. But we will talk about that in another podcast. The basic idea is that hopefully now you understand what egocentrism is. I know this was a very long-winded one, but I'm hoping that I can break down these things in a way where you kind of 
of understand, oh, this is where I stand. I'm being egocentric here. I'm using the theory of mind here. And this is generally how I understand people. I know for sure now that I extend so much more grace towards my little nieces and nephews and the kids around me because I kind of understand, uh, okay, you don't know much more than yourself. I hope you enjoyed today's concept. This was part one of egocentrism. Join me for the next podcast where we will be talking about egocentrism in reference to media. All right. That's it from me for today. Bye.